This is Over the Line on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, the Packers return to practice. Gearing up for that big old matchup Sunday night at Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers comparing this team to another team that shocked the world and then uh, made a nice little run in the playoffs and then got shocked by, I'll give you a hint, the Atlanta Falcons. We'll get to Rodgers and his comments momentarily, but first, might as well do it. We've always been accused of not really talking too much about him. Let's go back-to-back days opening the show with the one and only the Milwaukee Bucks. On national television, that means it's easier for us to watch it. Good morning, Nelly. Yeah, good morning. So that Bucks game, I caught, I would say, 60% of it. You, but not the first part of it, right? Yeah. You, you watched what it counted. The last 60% of the game. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's all you need. And it was nice because it was on you know national TV. I actually got to watch it. The Bucks, who were up, what, 21 points with 3 minutes, 10 seconds? Uh, well, they they almost blew it. They almost blew the damn thing. Budenholzer was uh, you know let the foot off the gas, and all of a sudden the Bucks uh, are in overtime, but escape with the win. Grayson Allen, friend or enemy, depending on how you will look at it, with the uh, what would have been the game winning three pointer, and Giannis Antetokounmpo with a sneaky triple double. Yeah, that was like a low scoring defensive game pretty much the entire time I was watching, and then towards the end the Bucks pull away, and then the very very end. <laughs> It was like they tried to give it away, but also, oh my goodness, that NBA refereeing, you wonder why some people think it's rigged. <laughs> I know. It, it's, um, well, you were talking this morning when you came in for the show started, or while well, the show was well, there starting. there were a couple of the, like, one like of the, Fortis. the flagrant foul in basketball is the targeting of football. Yes. It's stupid. Yes. Now, Grayson Allen got called for a flagrant foul for hitting Trent Jr. Right in his juniors. Below the belt. Right in his junior. He, he literally had his hand out like as if the guy, he was trying to put like a hand in the guy's <laughs> face. And it was just kind of out there. And the guy jumped and he like barely <laughs> brushed him. Oh, but Twitter was ablaze with the Grayson Allen hate, Rowdy. At oh. this point, if you're Coach Bud and, you know, Grayson Allen's kind of got the X on his back. Everyone's looking for it. Everyone's calling him a dirty player. And I'm the coach. I'm just going to say, if you're going to get called for a flag for that, at least actually hit him there. Just just, just go haul get, off and just do it. Just give him the good old nut punch. like <gasps> Because he literally just had his hand out. And it was like... He brushed Trent Jr. I love foul. Twitter Twitter was absolutely ablaze with uh, how dirty of a player Grayson Allen is and you know, how can anyone like this guy, yada, yada. He is... He's not the most likable of guys. Don't get me twisted on this, but he's ours. So you got to kind of like him. But Grayson Allen redeemed himself with a big old three pointer at the end of the game. Sound a little something like. Uh, I saw 10 seconds left. Allen in the corner gets it done. I saw a lot of people saying, that's what you get, man. If you would have missed that, we would have left you in Canada. And all your cheap shots. I even saw Bucks fans talking about Rowdy. Well, the most egregious thing that I saw the entire time watching, it, it wasn't the Grayson Allen. I, I would even just call it a crotch feel up at this point. <laughs> a graze? Uh, yeah. Like a slight um, crotch graze? It wasn't the fact that Milwaukee did play poorly and make some bad passes towards the end. The most egregious thing I saw at the end was the out of bounds call <laughs> where 
Bobby Portis legitly got shoved out of bounds by Siakam. And the referee was as close to the action, Ebo, as me and you in the studio, as he is the referee out of bounds on the baseline. And he goes, he looks at it, blows his whistle and says, Toronto ball. Huh? Like he literally got shoved out of bounds (laughs) in a league called the NBA where you can't even hardly breathe on a player or it's a foul. Hey, I did see, though, uh, what was it? Zion Williamson get accused of playing football. Everyone else is playing basketball. So he'll do it. But but, by the way, there was the, the... the pool report on the Milwaukee turnover oh, with, yeah. with less than 14 seconds. Yeah. The NBA did have comment on it. This it, is how it went. Question. Can you clarify what happened at the end of regulation when Siakam appeared to shove Portis out of bounds <laughs> and the ball went out of bounds and the turnover occurred in Toronto's favor? Brothers, the referee that's also had some um, issues or people yes. questioning his refereeing ability saying, quote, after post-game review, it was determined that that foul should have been called on the play. Of course. No, duh. Of course. Everybody watching the game knew that it was a foul because Siakam shoved Bobby Portis out of bounds, yep. except for you dumbass referees that were refereeing the game. Who were literally standing right there watching it. And the one was within five feet. Yeah, literally was standing right there. But yeah, I mean the Bucks on a back to back. They led ninety to sixty nine with three minutes and fifty seconds left. Toronto cut it with ninety seven to ninety four, twenty five seconds left to go before Milwaukee's twenty sixth turnover gave the Raptors the ball back. But hey, guess what? They won in overtime, uh, got it done. And uh, Mike Budenholzer was like, you know, we we're lacking a little energy, uh, but that's what you get on a back to back night. But you went out and got the win. And Giannis Adenakumbo. After having 55 points, a career high for him, he goes 30 points, 10 assists, and a season-high 21 rebounds. Wow. For his second triple-double and his 31st of his career. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a stat line, Rowdy. 30 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists, and that's coming off 55 points uh, for the Greek Freak. They're at what, Bucks 25 and 13 on the year now. As they are, yeah, the Bucks are winning two thirds of their games. Yeah, the, the Bucks are freaking good, man. Like that's that's all you need. And they're doing it. And here's the other thing: they're doing it. They're doing it without the likes of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. I mean, the Bucks are a scary good team. It's just wait till they all get you know healthy. They're now second in the East, right above the Nets. The Nets, Kyrie Irving's been absolutely tearing it up. Uh, but the Bucks now second in the East, and the Celtics are just one game up. Uh, they're twenty six and twelve. So a nice little battle. Uh, in the NBA. And they're on pace to win 54 games this year. And like you said, they really haven't had Chris Middleton, who's their second best player. They really didn't have, they really haven't had Joe Ingles, who is another yeah. uh, role player that really hasn't played. And then let's not forget that early in the season, they were also playing without Pat Connaughton, yep. another big time role player. And, and some of the other guys that you would think would be out there uh, helping the Bucks win, they were sidelined. Still on pace for 54 wins. Look at those Milwaukee Bucks, man. Absolutely crushing it. Still happen to just be the second best team in the NBA. It's They're they're damn good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Milwaukee now improved to 4-0 in the second game of a back-to-back. So Giannis had said, obviously, the body's tired. It's more mental than physical. So just being out there to get the job done back-to-back always feels good. I did get this message, Rowdy. Uh, I wanted to hear from our resident uh, president, of the Wanakee chapter of the Mike Budenholzer fan club. 
I got a text. Uh, let's see here. This is at 9.17 last night. I won't name any names, but I got a text. Quote, are you watching this Bucks game? Coach Bud really effed this one up. 21-point lead blown with three minutes left. They're going to lose. Uh, let's see here. Coach Bud cleared the bench with three minutes left. They were up 90-69. Oops. Coach Bud, if they lose, this one's on him. Did it ever cross your mind in the game last night that this is on Coach Bud if they blow up? 21-point lead? You know my feeling on extensions and Bud. <laughs> Don't extend them. Should be, if it was up to Rowdy, you'd probably do a game-by-game game contract, day-by-day. Day. <laughs> All right, Bud, let's reevaluate. All right, I know we've got 82 games under our belt, but we're going to reevaluate after every single one. Let's go. We're going to have a meeting in my <laughs> office after every game. You want to talk about micromanaging? Let me be the owner of this. When we're on a back-to-back, we're going to be Zooming. <laughs> Timeouts, I'm going to come down and I'm going to talk to you, all right? I need you to call me if it's an away game uh, or during these longer timeouts, TV commercials, okay? All right, so, yeah, the Bucks. Uh, let's see here. They're back into action uh, tomorrow. They come back for a little quick stop at the Pfizer Forum. They welcome in the Hornets before getting out on the road. They'll take on the Knicks. Uh, they'll start, let's see here, uh, one, two, three, four, a little four-game trek for the Knicks, Hawks, and the back-to-back of the Heat. So, yeah, Bucks. I mean, we're, 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 we're past all the uh, – you know, the, the big holiday games and whatnot. I know we still got a couple other ones coming up here, but this this is when you start maybe paying a little more attention to the NBA. You start really focusing in because this is when you start to get a vibe on a team. But again, there's no Chris Middleton and no Drew Holiday, and Joe Ingles has barely played. So. Yeah, so the Milwaukee Bucks, like this is a team that you play 82 games in the regular season. They had 21, 21 nationally televised game so f- like for the entire season for the schedule i know you're good coming up in february they have six of them it's their biggest month and obviously it's yeah. one of the last couple months before the end of the regular season from milwaukee bucks so uh yeah even more nationally televised games moving forward here for milwaukee love it and that's the sign of when you're good milwaukee bucks all over it yeah how many times do you think the milwaukee bucks played on national tv in Giannis's uh rookie. rookie year or even the year before they drafted Giannis? i mean None. when they won 15 games i'd love to go i know they up. were on national tv at least once because <laughs> if you remember they did play Golden State on TNT oh, because yeah, Golden yeah. State was like the uh, incredible team that hadn't lost. And like, how many wins are they going to finish with this year? Are they going to break the Bulls record? And then you had the crappy Milwaukee Bucks out there and the Bucks gave them all they could handle. <laughs> they did. And then remember, it would be like ESPN and TNT and their experts would be like, hey, this Milwaukee Bucks team, it might be pretty crappy, <laughs> but they have some matchups that are in their favor against the best team in the NBA at Golden State. They had to bill it somehow, and it ended up being a decent watch. I remember, I always forget the guy's name. Who was it, Giannis's rookie year? When you're sitting on the bench, he looks at Giannis, he goes, how old are you? And Giannis goes, 20? He goes, Reggie Evans. Yeah, Reggie Evans, that's what it is. And he goes, damn. Like, as a sign of like, God, this guy's going to be a beast. Uh, that was uh, probably the highlight of that, that year for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, besides taking it to the limit with the, uh, the Golden State Warriors, who are a shell of themselves now. All right, we cannot be accused of not talking to any Milwaukee Bucks. That is back-to-back days of starting the show with some fear the freaking deer. Oh, and speaking of the Bucks, this is a little off the court, but I'm going to marry the Milwaukee Bucks with the Green Bay Packers dude. a little later in the show. Yeah, I think, I also think that, was that the same year of the strip club? 
Oh, we went up to L.A. and they went to the strip club and then they got absolutely ass pounded. Oh, it's not right. by the strippers, but by the Lakers. It's it's right around the same time. It was John Henson. Uh, God, was it Giannis's rookie year? It, it's right. It's got to be close to the or was same it the time year period. after? It could have been the year after, but it's close to the same time period. Because remember, they were on a stretch where they were playing like the Warriors and the Lakers yeah, on like back to back. And they got, I they either played the Warriors really well or beat the Warriors, who were like they beat the, the War- best team. They beat the Warriors, I think, and then lost to and, yeah L A, who wasn't that great the next night on a back to back because they were seen in the the strip club at two in the morning, and it was like Chris Middleton, Greg Monroe. Do you remember um, my, uh, Mason Plumley? Oh, here we go. I found it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Let's, let's see. Let's see. One second. I couldn't remember if that's the same year or not, but it was around the same time. Oh, careful. I'm gonna, there, all right, there's OJ Mayo, Greg Monroe, Chris Middleton. That was just what that beep was of them pointing in the club. I know Mason Plumley was there because remember watching the, the video saying, oh, Mason Plumley was there. He's the tall, awkward white guy. Okay. There's OJ Mayo throwing a bunch of money. Oh, oh, Greg Monroe just threw a stack in the air. Chris Middleton's sitting there very calmly just with his hand on his chin looking around. It was, let's see, here's the caption from TMZ. 16 hours before the Milwaukee Bucks crapped the bed and lost to the last place Lakers. <laughs> Several Bucks players hit an L.A. strip club and partied till 2 a.m. This was 2016. <laughs> Good memory on you, Rowdy. Look at that. That is hilarious. Yeah, that. Oh, no, that's 2015. December 16th, 2015. So, yeah, yeah it's, clo- it's close to the same year. Yeah. So there you go. That yeah, then lost to the last place Lakers. Absolutely hilarious. Uh was uh, that was uh, our guy Grass on Twitch says was that when Larry Sanders? Larry Sanders, that was a couple of years before Larry Sanders I think was in a club in Milwaukee and he was throwing a champagne or trying to hit people in the head of the champagne bottle and getting into fights and I remember him slipping around a bunch with his uh, loafers on with uh, bubbly spilled all over the floor. I think that was like 2 years previous. So there you go. Look how far the Bucks have come. Now Giannis, you know, has two kids, and they all talk about being family men, and you hear nothing about going to strip clubs. Chris, <laughs> and they're winning. How about that? Mm. You hear that? You hear that buildup? Time game Sunday, Sunday night. It's the Lions. When is it? Yeah, in the evening. Prime time football, baby. Packers, Lions. Talk about it all with our guy, Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Reichel. Robbie! Nice pick for the song. Nice pick for the intro, Evo. Perfect. Love Led Zeppelin. Love him, Rob. You know. Well, I know, I know you do, and how, and how fitting for what we got coming up at seven twenty Sunday night. I know you love them too, Robbie. You can make it Led Zeppelin fit in like any scenario. It's like you, you, give, you give me like two seconds, uh, I can make it fit. Right? You're, yeah, I was gonna say you're, you're the you're the DJ on this one, man. You're the spin master. Uh, you man. you can you you can you can you can find anything that fits. <laughs> this, 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 this one is ideal, man. Uh, when the a, day a very is done, when, the day is do- when the day is done, right? Evil goes looking for a woman. Oh, but the girl don't come. Here we go. <laughs> hey, don't talk about Rowdy like that. Hey, good point. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Man, I guess I just.
catching strays all over from the Rob Reichel Evo segment. <laughs> Robbie, yeah, you, 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 you should have heard the strays when you weren't even here to defend yourself, too. Oh, now. you know, he heard about some of them. He's like, so all I right, heard you yeah. said I had the man flu. <laughs> I got ears all over, Robbie. I'm like, then what did you have if you didn't have the man flu? We're still waiting right, for the you, answer. You, you, you've I got your spies in the building. I know that, Nelly. <laughs> we just like to get Rowdy gets upset if you give him a hard time. So we're gonna give him too much hard time. Uh, Robbie, in through the outdoor, not only a great Led Zeppelin album, an underrated Led Zeppelin album at the end of their you know band. In through the outdoor, though, many thought the Packers were out. Now they possibly could in if they win. How about that? What are we thinking? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts, and, and I certainly think they'll win the football game, Evo, um, yes. you know, in, in a couple of reasons. They're playing really well, and they, they're coming off their best game of the season, you know, really in all three phases. Other than, other than the blocked punt, that was, that was as good of a football game as they've played in, in 2022. But, and I know Packer Nation doesn't care about this whatsoever, Evo, but, but the NFL said bleep competitive balance come <laughs> Sunday night, didn't they? I mean, the, the fact that Green Bay is not lining up at the exact same time Seattle is, is is really a slap in the face to anybody that wants to tell you that this league is about competitive balance. I love it. It's, it is all about money. Of course you love it because you're a Packer guy and you're a Rodgers guy and, and all that. But, you know, I've told some people, man, you know, if if the shoe was on the other foot here, right, If if, if, if Green Bay was you know, um, kind of on the other side of this and, um, you know, the, the, the deck was stacked against them to the level it is on Sunday, like it is against Seattle or it is against Detroit now because of the way the league has scheduled these games. I mean, Packer nation would be in an absolute uproar. I get it. They're all, they're all giddy about the fact that if Seattle wins and Seattle should win, obviously the Rams have absolutely nothing to play for. Seattle has everything to play for. The Rams are down, to a third-string quarterback. I haven't even looked. I'm sure Nelly knows this. It's got to be a two-touchdown point spread in that game, doesn't it? It's um, actually least, six, six and a half. It's that low, huh? Yeah, okay, well. I'm, I'm shocked by that. It probably just tells you Seattle's not not all that good. I mean, but Seattle has everything to play for, and they should go ahead and win that football game. And what it does, in essence, then Sunday night, it, it, it you know it makes it a preseason game for the Lions. And, and again, I, I understand everybody in Madison, Wisconsin, and you know, Portage and Baraboo and Kenosha and Ashland and Ashwaubenon, do, they do not care. This is a huge break for Green Bay. But but I, I, do think it, I do think it's a bad look, guys, for the NFL because, I mean, I, I understand what they did. I mean, you're, you're going to put the Packers on and you're going to get a rating that's going to be double what you get a lot of other teams and things like that. And you're going to, in all likelihood, get Aaron Rodgers back in the playoffs. And a week from now, guys, we're going to be talking about the storyline of Aaron Rodgers going to San Francisco to play a team that dodged him or ducked him or blew him off in the draft back in 2005. And that Aaron Rodgers said he was going to stick it to, and he's never been able to beat him in the playoffs. And, and that's going to be a salty, you know, tasty storyline for everybody out there who's writing about things next week is that Rodgers is 0-4 lifetime against the team that, you know, skipped over him in the, in the 2005 draft. It, it makes for great. It's a lot sexier, guys, than, mm. than Geno Smith going <laughs> to San Francisco a week from now. And, and, and hey, that, uh, whatever network carries that game, they'll put it on next Saturday night, and the rating will be about a 40, right? And the league's going to make billions and billions of dollars. So, 
you know, along the way, if they slap the Lions a little bit in the face and they and they stick it to the Seahawks, I, I don't think they care that much because the money's going to keep rolling in. But in terms of compet- competitive balance, guys, um, I, I, I was not a fan of how the schedule got set up Sunday night. I, I thought they both should have been playing in that 3.30 window and it would have just been a better look for the league. But it's obviously a huge break for the Packers, Evo, and and now it's up to them to go ahead and take advantage of it. So, uh, Robbie, it's funny. Rodgers yesterday, when he was talking to the media, was talking about kind of like you know them putting him at primetime. He's like, we'll go look at the ratings of Christmas. He's like, everyone wants to watch everyone wants to watch the Packers, essentially is what he said. Like, the ratings were huge on Christmas, so why wouldn't the Packers be in primetime? Well, Evo, you know, and, and and this is funny. I'm, we're off we're off base a little bit. And I'm going to take you on a tangent here, but there were five N, there were five NBA games played on Christmas, okay? And and the and the NBA has had Christmas now what the last 15 years or yeah. whatever it is. Evo, if you add up the ratings of those five games together, one plus two plus three plus four plus five, it does not equal the number that the Packers put up against the Lions. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, against the Dolphins. Yeah, that Dolphins. Day. Yeah. And, 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 and even a game like Denver and the Rams, that was the dog in the middle of the day, almost caught those five games together. And then at night, Tampa Bay, uh, obviously with Tom Brady, they beat the five NBA games combined too. So Rodgers is exactly right. I mean, the Green, Green Bay is a draw. Uh, well, you, you, you could play a Packer game at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday and, and they'd get – you know, they get six times what a what an NBA semifinal and you know Eastern Conference final would get or something like that. Rod, again, Rod, Rogers isn't wrong, and 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 it's all about the money and keeping advertisers happy and and things like that. I'm I'm just telling you from a standpoint that when they, when they kick that ball off at 7:20 on on Sunday night, Evo and the Lions, <clears throat> in all likelihood, have nothing to play for other than pride. Yeah. It does change the entire dynamic of that football game because if I'm Dan Campbell and I've got 10 guys that are 75% right now, which I'm sure he has. I mean, we're at a point in the season, uh, guys, where, where everybody is hurt. The question is, are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah. I mean, every everybody's hurt. You know, but, but if I've got Aiden Hutchinson, right, or, or I've got Jamal Williams or Jared Goff or, you know, the Williams kid out of Alabama, the young rookie wide receiver, whoever, some of these guys that are – that are nicked up, I, I might be thinking to myself, you know, hey, let's keep you guys clean. I'll see you in April. I'll see you in May when, when we get back here for, you know, after the draft and OTAs and minicamp, and, and I know you're 100%. I'm not going to put you at further risk Sunday night in really what's going to come down to for the Lions at least, guys, uh, you know, in essence, a preseason game. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Give him a follow on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Robbie, so another thing Aaron Rodgers had said, and, you know, you talk about how they're probably better than them in the skill position and overall roster was this 2016 team that made a big run and then ended up in an NFC championship game. Is Rogers correct in saying there's a lot of similarities between this year and 2016 year? Well, I, I don't think they're nearly as dynamic on offense. Um, you know, I know Watson had the one really huge four week stretch. He's been a little quieter since then. Some of that is obviously, you know, injury related. Yeah. He had the game against the Rams where Jalen Ramsey followed him along, followed him throughout the game and, and, and kind of took him away. I, I certainly don't think they're as good uh, on that side of the ball. Evo now they're, they're obviously progressing and 
the last six weeks have been certainly dramatically better than the than the first ten. But you know the point Rogers made is is they're they're far far better on the back end. I mean you you remember Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I I, I think they just connected for another touchdown. Uh, you know from from that 2016 game, guys. I mean and they, and they both went absolutely bonkers. And I, that was the year Matt Ryan obviously won the MVP and. You know, then they went ahead and blew the Super Bowl in that g- game against New England. But uh, Green Bay just could not match up in in that NFC title game that that day down in Atlanta. They just they didn't have the people in the back end, and and they were beat up a little bit that year, and they and they were they were hurt and playing backups and things like that. Um, you know, I, I I I do think the defense is quite a bit better, and 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 Joe Barry's got a real chance here guys to, to save his job if they can close it out with a with a pretty good performance i i know it's crazy we're saying that i'm gonna lose i'm gonna lose a handful of bets on that one guys um uh, but but you know that the, the, the way they've played the, the last the last few games i mean to to shut down a, a pretty dynamic minnesota offense and really for the most part i know the scoreboard said 17 they held minnesota to three that game you know the three second half picks against tua um you know, they, they shut Chicago out in the fourth quarter when they were losing that game, 19-10, and then they outscored the Bears 18 nothing in the fourth quarter to really get this this whole thing rolling. I mean, they've they've played pretty darn good football, especially in the second half, guys, of these of, of this four-game winning streak. They're making uh, the, the right changes, the right corrections, the right adjustments at halftime. Um, I, I don't think they're quite as good, Evo, to answer your question, as 16 because – uh, it, it's still an offensive league, and, and to win in the playoffs, more often than not, you've got to get in the high 20s or the low 30s to win these football games. I mean, if, if things do line up and play out the way that, that, that I really do expect them to this weekend, um, I mean, Green Bay's going to wind up in San Francisco, in Santa Clara uh, a week from now, nine, 10 days from now, and, and that'll be your, you know, your, your two versus seven matchup. Can can they go out to San Francisco and score enough points to win the game uh, against the number one defense in football? I don't know. I and I don't. I also don't think they can. Let's say hold San Francisco to twenty or something like that to win the game. Um, but but Rogers makes a good point. There are, there are a lot of similarities. And then the other thing he put a kind of a exclamation point on at the end of that whole thing after his you know talk of why this team could be as good if not better than sixteen. Evo is he you know he kind of finished that statement by saying. And we have Keyshawn Nixon, yep. you know, period, period, end of sentence, right? It absolutely changes everything they do now in the special teams. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy, Green Bay hasn't had anybody like him since Desmond Howard. I mean, Alan Rossum was a nice player in the early 2000s, but, but really what Nixon has done is, has been just off the charts. Uh, and nobody, nobody they've had since, you know, since that uh, 96 Super Bowl team with Desmond compares to what Keyshawn Nixon has done this year. It's just, it's one of the all-time, you know, at least in the last 25 or 30 years, guys, and I wrote that earlier this week at Forbes, it's, it's one of the great Cinderella, rakes to riches, just types of stories you did not see coming with this football team when you when you watched them back in August. You thought, all right, another pedestrian year of Amari Rogers averaging seven yards on punts <laughs> and 18.5 on kickoffs, right? And, and 20 and fumbles. Boom. Yep, right, and, and how many fumbles can you live with? Exactly, and boom, <laughs> here comes Keyshawn Nixon. So, you know, it, it, the, the, the comparisons are very, very, probably probably very fair, and we, we saw how hot that team was, right? They finished the year with six straight in the regular season, won the two playoff games, pushed that winning streak to eight. Um, 
guys, if this team can push a winning streak to eight, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. So um, pretty crazy stuff. Pretty pretty crazy stuff. And 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 really, in this league and and in in a wide open NFC. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, the NFC is nothing like the AFC. Packers to take. I think the best three teams in football, far and away, to me, are Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. And and they're all you know, fortunately for Green Bay and that other conference. So uh, you know, going to going to Philly shouldn't scare anybody. Going to Dallas shouldn't scare anybody. Going to Minnesota absolutely shouldn't scare anybody. So um, anything is possible. And we saw that back in 2010 when they were the sixth seed and won three in a row on the road. Uh, they're going to have to up. face a, a, a similar type deal this this time, guys. So. So here we go. Can't wait to get it started. Robbie, I'm glad you brought up uh, Matt Matt Ryan and Julio Jones still throwing touchdowns in that game. Because if you also <laughs> remember, Ladarius Gunter was trying to cover Julio Jones. And basically, since the AAF shut down, he actually <laughs> cleans this office building at night. So I'll say hi for him for you. Well, I know. I, I appreciate that. He, he, you know, he, he was a nice fella and uh, he got every ounce of talent out of his body. It, it, hey, it, it wasn't his fault that they had injuries and, and failed draft picks in other positions. Hey, and that the Rob, it just so happens his ounce of talent, him. his ounce of talent couldn't uh, comprehend what gallons of talent against Julio Jones was like, you know? <laughs> You know, and, 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 and guys, it's it, it, it's like people saying to me, "Why do they play?" You know, Carter Gilmore thirty minutes a game, right? And, <laughs> and I say it's 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 not Carter Gilmore Gilmore's fault that Greg Gard's recruiting has been so bad that he's only got four good players on the roster, right? Now they're they're good enough, they're four good enough players, right, to get them to twenty two or twenty four wins when it's all said and done. It wasn't Ladarius Gunter's fault back in twenty sixteen <laughs> that, that Ted Thompson that Ted Thompson kept fault. missing on cornerbacks, right? And, and, they, and they eventually had to move on from people. So it's a it's a tough hand to be dealt. It was a tough hand to sixteen <laughs> for La, for Ladarius Gunter. Fortunately for Green Bay, they're in a much better position today with Chair Alexander and Rasul Douglas and some of the guys that line up at the back. Robbie, end. I just remember them like flashing up some of their intangibles. It was like Julio Jones, six four, Ladarius Gunter. 510. It was like <laughs> Julio Jones 225, Ladarius Gunter buck 95. It was like Julio Jones, Julio Jones 4.27, right? Ladarius yeah, yeah, runs 4. under 4. a 43. Ladarius Gunter runs a 47. Yeah. Right, right. Yep, exactly. Good 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 luck with that LG, right? Um Julio Jones, all pro. Ladarius Gunter, where did he play college again? I was they're, just going to ask they're that. They're going up and down like yeah. their notes. Right. Ladarius Gunter, McFarland High School. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Robbie, uh, what happens then for Sunday night primetime football? Well, um, for, you know, first early in the day, oh, I certainly expect Miami, Seattle yeah. to win the game. And now, it, I mean, it, it really will be interesting. It'll be very similar, guys, to that 2010 type season. You you know, you remember, although although it's a little, a little different because – Detroit will not have a chance to make the playoffs when that when when that game begins at 7:20 but back in 2010 Lovey Smith who you know disliked the Packers immensely really wanted to keep them out of the playoffs in that final game of the season and they, and they came to Lambeau and Lovey and the Bears had absolutely nothing to play for they were locked into the 2 seed that night but Lovey said we're going to play our people and and he did, and and they almost they almost won the game, which would have kept Green Bay out of the playoffs. Green Bay won. They got a late touchdown from Donald Lee, and they won the game ten to three. And and I remember you know guys talking to some Bears after that game. Tim Jennings was one of them. He was one of their stud corners back at the time, and he said, 
I have a hunch we're going to see these guys again. And, and sure enough, they did in the NFC Championship game. And, and I remember Jennings saying, we, we should have taken care of them right now. I do think Dan Campbell's going to have the mentality, guys, at least at the start of the game. You know, because he's wired that way. Let's keep Green Bay out of the playoffs. But now, if it's 17-3, if it's 24-6 early in the third quarter, and he's got, like I said earlier, some of these guys that are 75-80% that would have played a full game, would have played all 70 snaps, right, if, if, if this game had playoff implications for the Lions, he may shut some of his people down, you know, late second, early third. Again, treat it like a preseason game. And that's obviously going to be a huge advantage for Green Bay. So so if you are the Packers, uh, Evo O'Nelly, and, and, and you can jump up on these guys early and you know they have absolutely nothing to play for, you're going to punch your postseason ticket by early to mid-third quarter. If they let the Lions hang around, and, and this game is 20-all going to the fourth quarter, then I think Campbell's going to play all his people, and, it, 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 you know, we're going to have a fascinating fourth quarter. But I think Green Bay's on the up, guys. I think they're the better football team. I think they're certainly better on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they're going to give Goff some problems, much like they did Kirk Cousins last week. I'm going to say, like, 31-17 Green Bay. Ooh. Rob, the uh, the water keeps building and building and building, and the levee is going to break. And that means the Packers were forced their way into the playoffs, my man. Can you well, believe and, it? And like and like we touched on earlier, if, if if kind of all systems are a go, if everything goes as planned this weekend, and we see Green Bay, San Francisco for the third time in the Matt Lafleur era, third time in four years. Boy, are we going to have storylines next week, boys? God. A man can only get so excited, Rob. Uh, only it's going to so be fun excited. stuff, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And I'll leave it with this, Rob. Uh, thanks for all the Packers coverage, by the way. Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Reichel on Twitter. Breathe a sigh of relief, Robbie. The Brewers have finally dipped in the free agency. Welcome back, Wade Miley. There you go. Wow. From 75 wins to 76. <laughs> in 2023. <laughs> we love you, Robbie. What a squad it's going to be. All right, boys. See you, bro. See you, bro. See you, bro. Let's, let's get ready to rough up Illinois on Saturday, right? Yeah, go Bucky. Badgers. All right, go Big Bucky. Time. Thanks, see boys. You, see you, Rob. Uh, Carter Gilmore says bye. There he is, Rob Reichel. Stop the presses. Believe it or not, your Milwaukee Brewers have spent money in free agency. Lies. No, it's true. Uh-uh. Former old friend. Wade Miley made up back with the crew pending a physical didn't happen. Wade Miley in agreement one year, four and a half million dollar contract with a chance to make up the six million with incentives, baby. I bet he fails the physical. We're back to zero. Wade Miley did have a lot of injuries uh, with the Cubs. He was limited to eight starts. He went two and two with a 3.16 ERA. What did he have, Rowdy? Was it a shoulder injury? And well, here's the deal with Wade Miley. So Going back, way back, to Wade Miley 2018, (laughs) this was when the show was not over the line, and the Milwaukee Brewers had just traded for Christian Yelich, had just signed Lorenzo Cain, seemed like an up-and-coming team, and the big question mark was pitching, and they had about nine or ten arms (laughs) in spring training that were all trying to be in that... top five for the starting rotation. And there was a bold proclamation made on these airwaves by a producer 
Who happened to be named Rowdy. Named Rowdy Razor, Nelly. And he said, Wade Miley will make this squad, because remember, he was a minor league invite. Yeah. And he will be a a key piece in this rotation for the season. And that same Rowdy guy got laughed at and said, Wade Miley sucks. And he ended up being awesome. Ended up being really good and arguably their second best pitcher. Now, the reason why I actually came to that take was because Wade Miley actually in his early years with Arizona and even a season in Boston was a pretty respectable pitcher. This was a guy who was right in there for rookie of the year. He was an all-star for a season. And then all of a sudden the dude just lost it. Like his first four or five years in the bigs, he was pretty competent starting pitcher. Then he just lost it. He was with Baltimore. We're talking ERAs in the fives and the sixes. And all of a sudden it was like, hey, he might sign with Milwaukee. Well, I saw an article that winter when the Milwaukee Brewers had signed him. And they were talking about how Wade Miley went back to his roots, went back to his college baseball oh, head so coach. You cheated and, and actually read about him? He showed up in boots? In, in Louisiana. And really they had been going through film and saw that. Wade Miley was actually over rotating his shoulders in his delivery and it had kind of thrown off his control and some of his pitching. So I, I kind of was like, well, if that is true and I went back and actually pulled up some of his YouTube and it was, you could clearly see sure as crap. He was over rotating from some of his early days to Mm. some of his Baltimore Mm. days. That's why I went with the take saying if he actually, if he actually pitches like he did in his early Arizona days, this will be a valuable arm for the Brewers. The rest is history. Now, fast forward to Wade Miley 2023 season. Wade Miley did figure something out, and clearly it must have been over-rotating his shoulders while delivering the baseball in going into 2018. Since 2018, Wade Miley has been a pretty solid starter. You look at his numbers. I mean, he's only had one bad season since then, and that was the 2020 season, which was 60 games. And a lot of guys in baseball can have two bad months, especially when all of a sudden that becomes a season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So overall, Wade Miley's numbers are pretty solid since then. He's banged up. Yeah, his issue is that he's getting older and that he's had a lot of injuries since basically leaving the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Now, for $4.5 million, I think this is a pretty good deal for the Milwaukee Brewers because at the very least, you're adding depth to your starting rotation. And now look at all the arms that you have available. Because remember... We thought that they were decently deep last year at the starting pitching position, and then pretty much everyone and their mother got hurt. Yep. And you were down to Jason Alexander. You were you were down to all of a sudden having to use minor league arms. They have a ton of guys. This is a guy that is very talented when he's healthy. For four and a half he- million... You look at the starting pitching market, you're seeing quality pitchers getting 13, yeah, 15. Like, it's insane for, like, an above-average starter. So this is, yes, relatively cheap. It's another move that it improved the roster with making the move than it, the, what this roster was the day before, but it's not a needle mover. No. It's not a all of a sudden you just well, signed a lot of people, Justin Verlander. A lot of Brewers fans got excited about it. I'm so glad he's back. I was disappointed yeah. that they let him go. He's back. Let's go. I mean, Let's go. And he also looks like a Wisconsinite. He personifies the state of Wisconsin. I mean, look, <laughs> at, look, at, this ro- look at this rotation oh, or gritty? guys that'll be in 
starting pitching available. You still have Burns. You still have Woodruff. You have Lauer, Hauser. Freddie. That's four right there. Let's not forget about Freddie Peralta's cheap. Ashby's cheap. They traded Ooh, for Ashby. Jansen Junk. You now have Wade Miley. That's that's eight guys, and we're not counting the quadruple A guys like Jason Alexander or rotation. the Ethan Smalls who are prospects yeah. and came up, made a few starts. They're little iffy question marks. But also, they traded for Bryce Wilson. Yeah, for cash. And I actually really like this move. It, again, it's not a needle mover, but it makes your roster better than it was the day before. And why do I like Bryce Wilson? This was a guy that was a huge prospect in the Atlanta Braves organization who had a lot of young, talented arms. He was a top 60 prospect in baseball in 2019. 2019 really wasn't that long ago, three se- three seasons ago, and the dude just turned 25. So it's it's not like this guy's 29, 30 years old. He's still potentially in that that prime age where he's trying to figure it out and make it in the big leagues. So this guy isn't 100% washed. We've seen him in the big leagues the past handful of years. So it's not like <clears throat> it's not like he's just getting to the big leagues now at 25. He's been around for a while, which means I feel like there's some room for improvement. And let's not forget the Milwaukee Brewers have that pitching lab. They oh. have that pitching lab that they made famous with Corbin, Corbin Burns, Burns, baby, with other relievers that have been good in the past and then refound themselves. So I think Bryce Wilson, again, this could be an extremely buy low where you're only throwing out cash. And it's not, again, this is a young guy yep. that doesn't yep. have a, yep. a ton of big league uh, success. He's not expensive to throw cash at the Pittsburgh. Some, it's probably like a league minimum type yeah. thing. It's less than a million dollars. And it's a guy that's got a lot of potential Here's talent. Some cash. And at the very least, he's a guy that can start for you and pitch out of the bullpen. I think both of these moves, Wade Miley, Bryce Wilson, I give thumbs up. But again, they're not needle movers. Right. They're not signing Justin Verlander most, spending $30 million. <clears throat> but they made the roster better today than it was the day before. And most importantly of all, Wade Miley now signals the Milwaukee Brewers have made a true their first true free agent now, signing. <laughs> since the roster was the 40 man was full, they had to make an adjustment to the 40 man. And because of Bryce Wilson being available right away and had to be put on the 40 man, it was Trevor Kelly that got the ax <laughs> from the 40 man. Another well, quadruple bah. pitcher that had an ERA like over well, six bah. and was terrible. So that's not a huge thing. And yes, it all pending. If Wade Miley can pass his physical, then it'll be another 40 man yep. uh, cut for the Brewers. Well, but going bah. into this season, they probably had about five guys <laughs> on that 40 man that you would not blink an eye if they randomly cut to make room available. So yeah, now with, uh, Wade Trevor Kelly with Trevor Kelly being cut. That's about four more guys that are easy cuts. Wade so Miley. Uh, Wade Miley should be a brewer just past physical. Welcome home. Uh, I just, you know, tried to, um, speak for my heart in terms of just how serious obviously it was how tough it was to watch you know you knew something was was not right with the amount of time that it took to you know get him into a an ambulance and how how often do you ever see an ambulance 
on the field. So it just, it definitely supersedes the importance of, of any type of game. I mean, you're talking about life. Yeah, Matt LaFleur right there talking about the scary scene Monday Night Football, obviously. We now want to bring in Mike Clemens. Uh, definitely a different vibe this week, Mike, on uh, everything in the NFL, yes? Yeah, you know, I, walking in the locker room yesterday, I thought, um, you know, after a day or two that, you know, these guys would be a little bit more focused to talk about uh, the Lions, but it was it was quiet in the Packers locker room. And so, you know, I, I, I come to you this morning to say, here's what pretty much was on the minds of everybody with the Green Bay Packers yesterday. And it starts out with Monday night football. Bengals are up 7-3 to three with about five minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is a safety for the Bengals. He collides with T. Higgins uh, in the middle of the field. And as you folks have maybe seen the video, he stands up and then collapses. The EMTs uh, are eventually called out there, and they resuscitate him. They bring him back. And then uh, as the ambulance is brought onto the field, which, of course, rarely happens except sometimes with neck injuries and when they've got the you know the player on the stretcher. And then um, after that, then, you know, the – the, the coaches and the players are looking at each other. Joe Burrow said that he took the captains from the Bengals over to the uh, Buffalo side to see, you know, what do you guys want to do? And Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, I thought had a uh, an excellent breakdown of what happened in those moments when everyone was wondering, what do we do next? So then when the, the uh, ambulance starts to pull away, is really the first moment anyone gets to even think about anything. And, and in that moment um, – you know, it came together with Sean McDermott and the officials kind of led the way there. And, and it was determined, you know, just to just to take a few moments as teams to, to just process what had happened and separate and go to our sidelines. We separated as teams. Uh, the officials, again, did a great job of coming over to me and saying, hey, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to process this moment here, uh, Coach McDermott and their team. And so the decision was made just to go over there and, and make sure we're all, you know, talking together. And, and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that, to me, provides all the clarity because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was, that, that all his focus was just on Damar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital, and and at that point, um, I think everybody everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend, and the right decisions were made there. But um, again, just just uh, the way that I, I really felt Sean McDermott led in that moment for his players. He was there for his players. He, he processed the right way, which is incredibly difficult, and uh, and really helped us get to the the solution that we needed to get to. It's a, a nice look into what happened and some clarity, kind of. But, Mike, I do have some good news, is, uh, of all things considered, is one of his teammates tweets out uh, just 10 minutes ago, our boy is doing better, awake, and showing more signs of improvement. Thank you, God. Keep the prayers coming, please. All love, number three. And then the Buffalo Bills also put out a statement that per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, uh, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. Still critically ill, he has uh, demonstrated, though, that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. So that is good. Consciousness, that's tremendous. Yeah. Now, you know, not out of the woods, but, oh, man, the timing of that is perfect, I think, for the rest of these guys. And 
to kind of get back to football because 24 hours ago, Ebo, you know, you're standing there talking to Rogers, and he's like, and that's kind of like, do you, you know, do you want to do this today? Or, and he said he he was he was in contact with Josh Allen, and it seemed like he's a little, you know, upset. And you know, like we talked about on Tuesday's show, this is rare. There's only one other time an NFL player has actually died during a game, and that was 50 years ago. A 28-year-old guy who was a receiver for the Detroit Lions, ironically, who just collapsed in the middle of the field, no contact. His name was Chuck Hughes. Later, autopsy, they found out that he had a blockage in his heart. It was non-football related. His wife sued the hospital that they'd been going to where he had his physical for $21 million, and they settled out of court because she was upset. Why wasn't this detected? You know, why didn't somebody tell my husband that? And so, it, and after that, stadiums started bringing ambulances to hospitals hmm. um, to, to, for, for that very thing. You know, the, the league reacted to that. As a matter of fact, those ambulances usually save more fans than they, than they help out football players, right? Yeah. And, and then you've got so, uh, you know, those EMTs that now apparently have saved the life of DeMar Hamlin, they drill for this. This was... This was their moment. This, they're prepared for this. They ran on the field, and they resuscitated him. But those Bills and Bengals players are watching this, like, you know, watching them bring this guy back. And so I, uh, we talked to Aaron Rodgers, and, and he said he's been getting updates from the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, his golfing buddy. I've texted with Josh, uh, so checking on him makes me feel better. I, don't, I haven't seen any new updates, so until there's, like, a positive update, I think we're all... Um, you know, I mean, personally, I'm still a little shook up by it. Uh, it's obviously on our minds, all of us, but we're also, you know, creatures of habit. This is our job. We have to deal with adversity all the time. So I welcome any question about Detroit, uh, any question about DeMar, uh, any question about any of the way it was handled, any of it. Well, okay, one more thing. Fifty years ago, a Lions player who actually had heart problems collapsed and died. And as a result of that, they started to have an ambulances at the stadiums, which probably helped out fans. And you got to also think that those EMTs, they saved his life. You know, so at least, you know, can, can the league get better at doing this in terms of player safety and all that from these experiences? Yes, of course. Uh, whoever said five minutes should have their job evaluated, I think. Um, look, I think from the negotiations that happened a few years ago, it's pretty evident that the, that the league talks about player safety, but uh, they added an extra game that was all about money. It had nothing to do with player safety. Now, there were a few things added in for former players, but um, this was a black eye for the league. And uh, got to do better next time. Yeah, player safety and NFL is kind of like oil and water. Uh, Mike, I just did see this. Uh, Ian Rappaport tweets out just a couple minutes ago that DeMar Hamlin opened his eyes last night and is also responsive. So there's another little update for you. Yeah, and there was a one of his co- uh, former teammates at Pitt where he played uh, that said that he was able to visit them. And, I, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, he actually was let into the hospital room and, and got to see him. So, yeah, these are tremendous, tremendous positive signs. For me, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's Rogers so ticked off about? Because, you know, he, he said on the McAfee show that he he watched all this thing in real time. And so I figured it out. I mean, 
Uh, he skipped practice yesterday and instead went upstairs and he went on the Rome show, okay? And what, what's bugging him is that as he's watching the game on Monday night, Joe Buck say, goes on the air and says, we've been told by the league that the, you know there's going to be a five-minute warm-up after the, the players take him to the hospital and they're going to restart this game in five minutes. That's what ticked him off. And here's, here's what Rogers had to say on, on the Rome show. It's absolutely absurd, and it, it makes zero sense. And, of course, everybody's going to cover their ass now because it's a bad look. It's a really bad look. And I don't know who's right or who's wrong. I've known Joe for a long time, and I've known him to be a man of his word, and I appreciated all of our meetings together. Um, we've been in a situation with guys with neck injuries where, you know, the ambulance comes out, they take them off the field. It's super jarring, and there's, like, you know, a little delay and you go back out there, it doesn't have anywhere near the same intensity and you're just thinking about your guy the whole time. Just can't wait to get the game over so I can get to the hospital and see my guy. Like, this is even worse. This is a guy who was literally had to be resuscitated on the field for minutes, you know, a long time. And then and then he drives away and, and what, we're just pick up, pick up business as usual? Like, I don't know. I, I just, there wasn't a lot of empathy in that moment and, and it's a learning experience. But man, we got to learn our damn lesson here because this is uh, the, the more important things than uh, than football in moments like that. Mike, do we think the NFL will learn a lesson out of all this? Uh, you know what I think happened. That you know, I mean, ESPN, the producers are on the phone with the league and saying, "Okay, what happens after this?" Because they, you know, they've got a broadcast to put on. Yeah. They're taking a commercial break. What do we do when we come back? And there's some guy who's reading, you know the codes that they've got for this stuff that says, uh, it says here, our guidelines that, you know, the, the players are given five minutes to warm up and then we resume play. Well, in the meantime, though, Goodell, Goodell's the one that's going to make all the decisions on this stuff. He has final say in all this stuff, just like he did during COVID and moving games. You know, later he's talking to coaches. He's talking to, you know, the, both teams. He's, he's, he's talking to referees. I think there was one point the referee was actually using his microphone to go back uh, to, to New York. So, you know, this all comes out later on. But on the surface, who, people watch this in real time like Aaron Rodgers on Monday night, they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Clearly these players are not uh, in any frame of mind. And and then we learn a little bit more about the player. Damar Hamlin, safety for the Bills, played at Pitt, grew up in a really rough part of town uh, of Pittsburgh, and uh, as a guy who's always been putting into community only just two years into it. Here's the other thing that's really ticking off the veterans uh, as players is that DeMar is only two years into his, into, the, into his NFL career. If he'd had three years and three games, then that's when the pension is available. Yeah. So if he never plays another, you know, they're already, this is what the players are talking about. See, they're talking about the benefits and this kind of thing. So Tyler Dunn, who used to cover the Packers, um, interviewed DeMar, took him out to lunch about a year ago to find out what the kid is like. DeMar Hamlin has always had that purpose, and, and it really does, have its roots in McKeese Rocks, just outside of Pittsburgh, where, you know, as early, I guess you start here, when he's 12 years old, he's in a courtroom, and he can picture his dad getting taken away to prison and, and sentenced to 10 years. He spent three and a half years behind bars, so at a very fragile point of his life, he loses his dad. Simultaneously, so many of his friends are, are catching stray bullets, getting involved with the streets, and you don't even have to be involved. Sometimes it's just wrong place, wrong time. He estimates that more than half of his childhood friends died before the age of 21. 
Meanwhile, you know, there's winters in Pittsburgh where they're unable to heat their home and it just breaks, so you're finding ways to stay warm. There's days at school where he doesn't have a lunch. Maybe a buddy gives him a couple bites of his sandwich. Um, he's helping his mom at her cleaning business till midnight, and she's just doing an unbelievable job of kind of shielding him from those bad influences in the streets. It's, he's always wanted to make an impact on future DeMar Hamlins, on, on kids just like him in this environment who need hope, who need an image, something to aspire to be. So that's why he stayed at Pitt. I mean, he could have gone to Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, 48 scholarship offers. He, he stayed home because he also had a little brother he knew who needed to look up to somebody. So it's always been bigger than football for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, the human interest piece out of this in how good of a great of an individual DeMar Hamlin is is, is quite inspiring, Mike, um, if you're trying to look at a, a positive light out of it, I guess. Yeah, and, and other players, like even over in the Lions locker room yesterday, you got their running back, DeAndre Swift. He played uh, high school football in Pittsburgh, you know, went against uh, DeMar Hamlin and knew this guy as a teen. And, he, you know, what he talked about is, you know, as football players in the NFL, we take that hit a thousand times. And that's what was kind of messing with his head. I've been thinking about it since it happened. Um, it's, it's a routine play. What happened It's like it's just it's a sad situation. These are our thoughts and our prayers. Somebody I know personally. Prayers, we played each other in high school. So one of my good friends. We opened um, this morning with prayer. Uh, everybody was in the building. Sean Pugh just led us in prayer for him and his family and everything they're going through right now. Yeah, very, very jarring experience. Um, see what yeah, happens. So, and you guys have talked about, you know, the possible scenarios about whether they should or will, you know, make up that game yeah. and how they're going to yeah. work out the AFC, NFC, and stagger and, and uh, all those kinds of things. But I think that's huge news that you've got there now. That, yeah, you know, totally. that there's a word that, that, that DeMar Hamlin is, is showing signs of consciousness, uh, and, you know, salute to those EMTs and what they they did their job Monday night. Man. Yeah. Just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Mike, uh, thanks. Uh, heavy topic, but well done. That was uh, really good to peek into everything. We really appreciate it. And to end on a positive note, besides DeMar Hamlin, you know, showing more signs of improvement, I can't wait to talk Tuesday with you about the Packers qualifying for the playoffs. Going to the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> Happy things. Like, am I going to San Francisco? Am I going to Minneapolis? Where yeah. am I going? You're going Have somewhere, Mike. I guarantee it. All right, thank you, See you, Mike. There is Mike Clemens. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. And uh, really good stuff, really good peek right into uh, everything uh, right there. Yeah, very, very crazy. Uh, But, yeah, good signs of improvement there from DeMar Hamlin.